Coming up on the Sark Fighter podcast, the best way you can connect with other Sark Fighters and get the information you need. If you're someone who's dealing with sarcoidosis or a caregiver of someone dealing with sarcoidosis, there's a lot of great information, access to experts. The Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research Second Summit of 2020 is coming up on November 14th. There's a lot of information to digest. An interview with Mindy Buchanan from the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. I feel like a zombie Just feeding at stumbling This is the Sark Fighter Podcast Living with sarcoidosis and other rare diseases Here's your host, John Carlin Hello and welcome to the Sark Fighter Podcast. I'm your host, John Carlin. This is episode 18 of the podcast. The official Sark Fighter song that you've heard bits and pieces of is called Zombie by Mark Steyer and his band, the White Hot Lizards. Uh, he is a player in that band. I don't want to refer to it as his band, uh, although uh, I'm sure that they, they don't mind that. But anyway, it's the White Hot Lizards and they are in Alberta, Canada, and Mark is a fellow Sark fighter. You can hear his story and the inspiration for the lyrics in episode 12, and you can hear the entire song there as well. I encourage you to listen in because uh, it it's really, really does tell the sarcoidosis story. Proceeds from that song, by the way, will be donated to the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. Now, I do call this the Sark Fighter Podcast because I'm fighting Sark, so are you. That would be true if you're a caregiver, a patient, a researcher, a pharma company, you name it. And what we do here is we tell people's sarcoidosis stories, uh, however it is that they would relate to this dreadful uh, predicament that so many of us are in. Uh, it's also a place that I see where we can all gather. So many folks have reached out to me and said, wow, I, I felt like I was all alone. I didn't know anybody who had sarcoidosis and now I can hear what other people are going through and boy, there's a lot of a lot of common denominators in all of our stories from the difficulty with diagnosis and the difficulty with uh, then living with the disease and of course the the medications especially prednisone uh, a lot of, a lot of complaints about that and uh, and I can add on to that pile for sure normally I do release this podcast every other Monday morning uh, if you would like to do something to help fight sarcoidosis, consider donating your birthday to FSR on Facebook. You've seen that. Other people have done it. You pick a cause. And um, the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research is a nonprofit, and that'll come up. And you can ask your friends to donate on your behalf. And that actually generates a lot of money for the Foundation. And it's a big source of revenue, and they need everything they can to fund patient outreach and also research on, on new medications. If you are new to sarcoidosis, trying to figure out what it is that you have, what's going on in your body, uh, welcome. I'm sorry that you're here, but uh, I and we in the sarcoidosis community, the Sark fighter community, will certainly do all we can to help. And you might want to consider listening to my interview with Dr. Simon Hart in episode two. That was sort of a sarcoidosis 101. What is it? What would a granuloma look like if you could hold it in your hand? 
Um, and he describes all of that, describes all the basic conditions. And, uh, you know, I know that, that it would have been helpful to me when someone first told me I had SARC to uh, have had some a resource like that. So that's episode two. If you want to check it out, Dr. Simon Hart is wonderful, um, and he uh, he lives in the UK, and he's got that beautiful British accent, uh, but uh, really did a nice job of sort of uh, setting the table, if you will. Now, um, you may not know that the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research not only helps researchers work on solutions for SARC, but they also specialize in patient outreach and helping us cope with SARC, the medications, the search for doctors, changes in our lives, best practices, uh, getting more and more into diet, not, uh, not to most people's satisfaction, uh, the, whole, the whole world is not there yet. Uh, I think the foundation's on the cutting edge of that, but a lot of people want to know more about diet. But And we'll continue to focus on that here on the podcast. But uh, there was a summit that was held on September 22nd. And as I'm recording this today, it's September 24th, so a couple of days ago. And uh, I think it was a success, really. Uh, a good preview for the, the next summit coming up on November 14th, and I will be a part of the one on November 14th. I'll be moderating a panel of patients that FSR is putting together, and uh, I'll have more on how to participate in what you'll find there. That'll be coming up a little bit later in the podcast. In fact, that will be the, the focus of the podcast today when Mindy comes on with our interview, and that'll be here in just a, a few minutes. Before I get to my interview with Mindy, I wanted to tell you about a, something I found dealing with sarcoidosis in pregnancy, which is not something that uh, I've heard much about. Um, but you know, for, for some of our younger uh, listeners or people who are still raising families, I thought this was interesting because it does show that sarcoidosis is linked to a higher risk when it comes to pregnancy. And this was reported by Sarcoidosis News. And it's an article by Forrest Ray, who is a professor, PhD in systems biology from Columbia University. And I'm not going to read the whole article to you, but I will just, I'll just hit on the high notes. Uh, but it says it is associated with a higher risk for certain complications. And this is based on a uh, population-based study in uh, Sweden. The complications include eclampsia and preeclampsia. Or, or high blood pressure in the mother, and I've got some daughters-in-law who have uh, who have dealt with some of these types of issues, not related to sarcoidosis, but uh, it's not something that uh, any pregnant woman would want to go through. Um, but there were uh, several systemic inflammatory disorders that carried uh, increased risks of complications during pregnancy. I'm reading directly from this report now, but few studies. Uh, have examined the risk of adverse maternal and infant outcomes in sarcoidosis. Uh, and as you read through this, uh, it it just kind of goes through what those issues are. And I'm assuming that in terms of uh, those listeners right now, very few are pregnant or worried about this, and it's not the, the given topic. But what I when I Google around or receive something in my inbox that I think is different or of interest, I just want to mention it. So what I'll do is put a link to this in the show notes, and then uh, and then you can uh, click on it as you uh, see fit. So that's a quick look at the uh, at the situation in the study with pregnancy. Mindy Buchanan from FSR is coming up next on the Sark Fighter podcast. Learn to suffer your feel pain some. 
endurance Your strength will fade away Dead man walking, trying to keep up the pace Dead man walking, counting down his days The foundation for sarcoidosis research is the nation's leading nonprofit organization dedicated to finding the cure for this disease and to improving care for sarcoidosis patients worldwide. Since its establishment in 2000, FSR has fostered over $5 million in sarcoidosis-specific research efforts and has provided disease education and support for thousands of individuals navigating life with sarcoidosis. Learn more about FSR and how they're supporting those impacted by this disease at www.stopsarcoidosis.org. Welcome back to the Sark Fighter podcast, and joining me now is Mindy Buchanan from the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. And Mindy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be back. Yeah. So uh, as we're recording here, we are one day uh, after the uh, summit. There's two summits this year uh, that the foundation is putting on. And so you and I are speaking right now on September 23rd, but yesterday was the 22nd, and that was the first of two summits. Um, what, what is a summit for people who don't know? And then we'll get into a little bit about you know, what actually happened with, with the purpose of letting people know how they can participate going forward in November. Yeah, so um, last year we decided to take our sort of one day conference um, schedule, which was uh, about six to seven sessions back to back, 15 to 20 minutes each, and kind of cramming it all into this one space. And we tried to expand that into a summit, which included multiple kinds of tracks, um, additional sessions that focus on mental health or how to deal with insurance. Um, and push that into a summit. And that was planned for in-person for two long days. Uh, the unfortunate thing is, you know, we have COVID and we had to pivot to a digital format, which I'm pretty excited that we did, I would say successfully in <laughs> yesterday. Um, it was great. We were able to have three sessions running at once in most time slots and people could kind of pick and choose where they wanted to go. There, um, there's a lot of information to digest. And so one of the nice things about a virtual summit is it makes it really easy to record the sessions. So if you went to one session and you really didn't get to go to the other one and you really kind of also wanted to go to that one, uh, you're gonna be able to watch that session um, as of Friday. So I'm in the process of uploading them to another website that is gonna look similar to the one that we were in during the summit itself and uh, people will be able to watch all of that content. And then there's just gonna be certain sessions that we make available for the general public through our website. Gotcha. Um, so Yeah, so Summit so, in, a, in a nutshell is a patient education opportunity, right? So right. if you're someone who's dealing with sarcoidosis or a caregiver of someone dealing with sarcoidosis, there's a lot of great information, access to experts, um, as well as FSR's presence and partnership presence um, from different groups like the Patient Advocate Foundation and Every Life Foundation. Right. So, and, and uh, we've talked a little bit on the podcast about the Every Life Foundation. Uh, so, if if this was not a COVID year, people would all meet in a given city, and there would be conferences and breakout rooms and speakers and discussions and the opportunities for. Sark warriors to meet one another. Um, I'll sneak in the word Sark fighter just to 
plug the podcast here, but um, Sark Warrior is our official term, and I, I'm certainly not advocating that we break away from that. But but this year we couldn't do that because we had to do it virtually. So how did that work? I, you know, people sign on at a certain time of day, and they just kind of pick and choose what they want to watch on a Zoom conference, or, or how how did that work? Yeah, so the platform um, is pretty friendly. Uh, we had very few technical issues, so that was really great. Um, but there are multiple opportunities that we built into the platform. People would log on, you could kind of um, walk around, so to speak, this sort of lobby and go into different auditoriums uh, and then visit uh, an exhibit booth, uh, an exhibit hall where different um, groups had booths and you could kind of go into the booths and start a chat um, with folks at the booth. We also had a networking chat, which was super popular. Um, it was available from the lobby, so you could just click on it and go into this chat room. It opens up in a new box, and people were sort of interacting with each other there. The, the ways we were able to build in opportunities for people to kind of network with one another or see one another, so to speak, were really around the patient um, or the Sark Warrior Roundtable panels. So each of the folks who were on that Sarcoidosis Warrior Roundtable held um, individual Zoom sessions through our lounge and people could join those during those times that they were posted and chat with a panelist um, and or just chat with one another and those conversations were super robust people had a great time i was watching it i had it on mute but i could see what people were doing and everyone was very animated um, and you could see a lot of support happening in that space and certainly it's the case that i think moving forward um, as the patient engagement manager, I'm going to try to institute some sort of Zoom meet and greet sessions in general for people with sarcoidosis, just for anybody, not through the conference or not through the summits specifically. Um, another way that people were able to interact with one another was they were able to direct message one another and direct video call one another. So once you started a direct message, um, that person will pop up in your direct message list and you can click on them and now you have the opportunity to create a video call with them. It's a little cumbersome to get to that point, but um, I did hear that a few folks had done it and done it successfully and enjoyed it. So they had that on while they were watching a session mm -hmm. um, because it does pop up into a different box uh, and you can watch a session while you're doing it at the same time. So when you did join a session, some of them were through Zoom, some of them were sort of static videos if they didn't have a Q&A. And some of our Q&As we hosted through the networking or through the FSR wellness booth. Um, so for instance, Dr. Durrani, who did a Qigong video instruction mm -hmm. uh, in our lounge, she offered to sit in the FSR wellness booth and answer questions um, through, the net, uh, through the chat function. I want to stop you there. Um, I want to say this word right. Qigong? Qigong? Qi. Qi, like... Uh, Qigong. Yeah, okay. Yeah. For people who don't know, what is that? Yeah, so it's a, as she describes it, it's an internal martial arts. Okay. Um, so it focuses a lot on grounding parts of your body and breathing exercises. And so she's also a naturopathic physician and um, a licensed acupuncturist. And so she really weaves these practices into some of the things that she shares with her patients. Um, Sometimes she gives them some of the Qigong exercises, like particularly those who have lymphedema. Uh, and she doesn't really say do the whole Qigong practice, but she does like pulls out that one exercise and is yeah. able to kind of help people um, decrease their lymphedema through 
using that exercise. Yeah. Um, we got to get her on the podcast. She's great. <laughs> and she did our nutrition session as well. And that was extremely popular and people from what I heard, loved it. <laughs> well, I've got to tell you that uh, one of the things I've put out there is that I want to do more on nutrition here on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And of all the things I've sort of dangled in front of the listeners, that's the, the feedback that I'm getting is, is that people are really interested in being able to improve their diet in an, in an effective way. Mm -hmm. um, so they can either improve their health or they can uh, wean themselves off the, uh, off some of these medications. And uh, so I'm, I'm not surprised. That's a long way of saying I'm not surprised that that was popular. Yeah, and I think we'll have her back for November. People really liked her. Um, she's super friendly and helpful. And um, she did her session live, so it'll be live again next time. Um, which always she'll, she might change, change it up. She's constantly reading the research and staying in tune. So, um, yeah, she was great. So those were sort of the cool opportunities that we were able to provide through this platform. And I think we just still have room for improvement, um, in sort of the functionality just because, you know, once you learn where people go and how they go there, then you can sort of orient those a little bit easier to make yeah. it a little more user-friendly. I think for the most part, it was user-friendly. Well, I tell you, as a non-technically um, <clears throat> minded person, God bless you <laughs> for being able to navigate all of that. Uh, that sounds that sounds difficult, but um, I, I know I know that you can do it because I see you do it. But um, good luck on that. So, um, uh, in November, then, uh, what is the November date? November fourteenth, and 14th. it's a Saturday. Yeah. So I'm excited that it's a Saturday and not a weekday. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, and so uh, I know that I was unable to participate yesterday. I had a big story due on the air and uh, finally got that put away and put to bed. And, uh, and Congratulations. So Thank you. Um, and uh, But there was just no way that I could be working on both of those things at the same time. But uh, you have asked me to come in for November where I will be uh, moderating uh, a patient uh, discussion with uh, with four other sarcoidosis warriors, and mm -hmm. that will be one part of it. Uh, well, let's let's come back to that. But what else can people expect in November? Yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of the things that they'll be able to expect is, um, you know, our COVID nineteen session was really super popular. Uh, we could not get to all the questions. Um, there were a ton of people on that session. I could see. Um, and Dr. Boffman from University of Cincinnati is going to do that session in November. Um, he and Dr. Judson were on that study that Dr. Judson presented uh, yesterday um, together, along with FSR and a few other countries. And so we can expect Dr. Boffman to come and give that presentation. Um, we have a few different experts for each of the topics, and, then, and notably uh, neurosarcoidosis was missing from our um, summit this September, um, largely because uh, we had a scheduling conflict with the NeuroSARC person and they were not able to attend. Um, so we will make sure that we have NeuroSARC added to the November summit. And I will say, those of you who have NeuroSARC, um, if you really want to make sure that you get that session, but you don't need or want to go to the full November session or pay for it again or ask for another um, scholarship, I will ensure that you will be able to access that particular session because it wasn't available in September. Mm -hmm. um, 
Who, is, we also the, who is the neurosarc specialist and where are they from? Since that's kind of my little corner of the world. Yeah. So we'll, we'll share that information soon. <laughs> okay. okay. Don't, didn't mean to put you on the spot. Yeah, that's okay. Um, I'm still working with the person who wasn't able to t attend it. I don't really want to call them out. <laughs> okay, no, no, that's, um, that, that wasn't my intent either, sure. No worries. Um, so, but I will make sure that that particular session is available to anyone who sends an email to the summit to 2020, summit 2020 at Stop Sarcoidosis um, and says, I would love to see the NeuroSarc session. Mm -hmm. So we'll, even if you don't need to come to the whole thing. Um, additionally, we'll have different experts. So some of our experts will be the same. For instance, our emotional health experts will um, be the same. We'll have an additional emotional health workshop available. Um, and some of our, like our pulmonary one will be a different expert. And um, so the schedule will change a little bit, but the content, the core content is really meant to be delivered similarly, right? So Epithar actually created a lot of the curriculum. So we created framework for each of the sessions that the experts need to underpin with their expertise. Sure. So that way we're able to sort of ensure that quality control. If, you, if anyone's ever been to one of our um, conferences, some of those sessions can get a little technical. And so we wanted to make sure that the delivery or the information delivered to the summit attendees was um, sort of patient facing, sort of, you know, sarcoidosis warrior facing, right? Like, right. If you were someone sitting in their office, you probably wouldn't show them a hundred graphs. So we just wanted to include that um, in the delivery. And I can say every one of our experts just did a beautiful job in September, yesterday. They just did a beautiful job. It was really, really good. Yeah, great. So um, how many, I mean, how many people attend this virtually? Is it better or worse than having to travel? Well, I mean, I certainly think that um, it's less hardship for those who need to travel, right? Yeah. Um, we did at our our first summit was supposed to be in April in Chicago, and we have a lot of folks in Chicago. Um, but our limit for the number of people that were going to be able to go to that summit was 150. So that was really where we were kind of capping it off because we didn't have enough space for more than that. Um, but in a virtual environment, you can have sort of an infinite number of people. I mean, sure, there's some kind of like maximum that the platform doesn't allow past, right. but um, we weren't going to get close to that. But um, so we had uh, over 200 people um, yesterday. And some of those folks aren't, weren't actually in the environment yesterday. Some of those folks had registered and want access to the content because they couldn't make it. I got a lot of emails from folks who were like, I can't make it. Can I see this stuff? And Yes, definitely you can see the stuff, um, including all of our lounge sessions and our patient panel sessions were recorded as well. Yeah. So, and if you send me links to those, I'll put them in the show notes for this podcast. Oh, great. Um, so we can help uh, people connect with that there. And, and the, uh, so probably the most popular one was the COVID discussion. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. I wasn't in all the sessions, so I was moderating and the sessions run concurrently. So I was in one and two, like either FSR staff or our volunteer were, were moderating the other two. And so I would try to pop in and see how things are going. Um, but I was moderating the COVID one and it was the most popular one. I mean, as far as the one I was, any that I was on in moderating. Sure. Well, everybody wants to know 
Um, are they at a greater risk for getting COVID? And we're all taking these drugs that suppress our immune systems. And, and so it's, it's hard to know what to worry about, what not to worry about. And um, Dr. Boffman, who will be in the November discussion, uh, did appear here on the podcast and he's, he's doing the survey, but you pointed out something interesting that, um, so, so right now it's, it's okay, take the survey and tell us how you're doing. And then you get a big bunch of data from the survey, but if people are super sick and or uh, dying from COVID, they're probably not taking the survey, right? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, we're going to make that, that, so Dr. Judson and Dr. Bachman were the, um, the primary investigators for that survey with FSR and several other countries. Um, we've posted a little bit about it on our website, but that was largely the data. That first round of data was largely presented by Dr. Judson during that session. And we will make that available on our website for everybody. It's not just folks who registered for September or will register or have registered for November. Um, we'll make sure that anybody who needs or wants that information is able to access it. Uh, there was a really robust question and answer session after that. And Dr. Judson did a great job. Um, I think that like everyone, there's still just a lot of unknowns. Um, and so we're just going to try to do our part to ensure that folks get as much information as we have available at the moment. Sure. Um, so if people want to sign up for the November summit, how do they do that? Yeah, our website actually has all the links. Additionally, I will really like to point out that if you are not able to pay for the, for the fee, the registration fee, um, please apply for a scholarship. I am able to give those out. We um, have some sponsorship support, so that allows us to ensure that everybody who wants to come to the summit and isn't able to pay for the fee is able to come to the summit. We don't want to hold hostage um, important patient education materials and information. So I did get a lot of questions about that um, around like, is there a limit to the scholarships that we're able to give? And I will say just if you need one, apply. Okay. And wh what does it cost without a scholarship? It's $40. $40. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Very good. Um, all right. The, well, so I think we've pretty much talked about the November summit. I'm looking forward to being a part of it. Uh, I've never attended a summit in, in person, actually. Um, so we'll, I'll, this virtual will be the only thing that I know, but uh, I'm looking forward to that. And we'll be talking more about that as, uh, as we get closer. You'll be introducing me to the other sar sarcoidosis warriors. And each of us will be, well, I'll be moderating to, to have them talk about their stories and talk about how, um, how they've been able to cope with and accept their new life with sarcoidosis. Is that a good way to, to encapsulate it? Yeah, that's a really great way to encapsulate it. The nice thing is that the panelists and you have sort of a, have information to share. Everyone has a story to share, right? And then mm -hmm. if we're able to sort of help folks get insight into some of the struggles that individuals have had and able to see yourself in that struggle and, you know, possibly find a way or a path out, excuse me, is, um, is a great. And so um, the patient panel was well attended, was well attended as well. The sarcoidosis warrior round table, that's what we're calling it. You got a new name last minute. So, you know, I have to try to remember. <laughs> yeah. oh, Again, I don't know how you keep up with all of it. Um, the other thing you wanted to touch on today 
uh, here on the Shark Fighter podcast was the Patient Navigator Program. What is that? Yeah, so the Patient Navigator Program was built out of our Patient Advocate Program. So we have an advocacy program, and John, you're an advocate, right? You're one of our volunteers. If you volunteer with FSR, you are an advocate with us. Um, and that there's various roles within the advocacy program, but one of them is patient navigator. And we have 14 and soon to be 15. We had an alternate, um, who is a caregiver who has agreed to join our party, which I'm very excited about, um, patient navigators and one caregiver navigator. And so the idea is that you can apply to get one-on-one support with one of our patient navigators for up to 45 days. Um, their goal is to really help you succeed in, in self-advocacy. And sometimes people join the patient navigator program as someone who wants a navigator and really what they want is someone to talk to. And that is perfectly fine. Uh, our navigators are adept at very quickly understanding where someone is and meeting them where they are. Um, and if that's someone who needs a lot more help and they need a lot more coordination, that patient navigator is there to help them through that process. If that's someone who just really wants a person to talk to and kind of commiserate, they're there for that as well. Um, so yeah, our patient navigators are amazing. They are each, you know, most of them have full-time jobs or full, you know, outside the home lives and they are dealing with sarcoidosis themselves and they're there to help one-on-one. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's, I get a lot of people who just ping me uh, and, and I really enjoy it. Um, and we, we have email conversations uh, and I mostly as a result of the podcast and, you know, you know, for what it's worth, you know, if anybody's listening and wants to send me an email, uh, I'm happy to, to talk to you. But the frustration I hear from people over and over is, especially when they're new to sarcoidosis, uh, is that they can't find the right doctor or they have a doctor, but they think that doctor's ineffective or they don't know how to deal with the medications. And then, uh, there's always the question about nutrition. And so, so a, a patient navigator helps them kind of get through that maze? Is, is that where you see most people seeking help? Yeah, certainly. So there, um, our patient navigators, the, the goal of the navigator program is to help people learn how to navigate that maze on their own, right? So the goal is that um, the navigator helps them work through these issues. They have, they're sort of the resource queens and kings as far as that goes. Like they know where the resources are. They know how to get people through these things and they help those folks get access to those or know or learn how to find those things. Um, certainly getting a doctor is always a big one and certainly deciding whether or not you want a second opinion is another big one. And a lot of our patient navigators have worked through that process. And sometimes it's as, it's as simple as giving someone permission to feel okay about asking us for a second opinion. A lot of people have some sort of harbored worry that their doctor will hate them or not treat them right the next time. Right. Um, and our patient navigators are really good at, at explaining or like working through that process with them, kind of he- helping them head those fears um, off and to kind of to just talk them out. Um, and then they also know where to find physicians. They have gone through that process themselves. And even if they're not in the right area. So for instance, we have, um, a patient navigator up in the East Coast who got a patient um, 
on his list who is in the South. And so he asked me for connections to other advocates. So some, ad, I mean, we have lots of advocates, not everybody's a patient navigator. Um, and so I connected him with some of our other advocates who are in the South, and then they worked together to come up with a plan and also connect that person to someone who was local as well, so that they had that additional level of support. Um, the, that person locally isn't responsible for host, you know, sort of doing that one-on-one -on -one um, exchange with someone, but it's good to have that person that's like more local to you as well. Um, and so the navigators are adept at doing that as well. Not only are they supporting the person, but they're also connecting them to additional supports in their areas. Right, right. All right, so um, Mindy, is there anything else you want to talk about? Anything else uh, going on or coming up with the foundation that folks should know about? Um, I just will give a shout out to um, uh, my colleagues, Hannah Nebulsi and Tamara Al-Hakim um, of the research team. And I don't know if you've had them on our podcast or not, but um, they are amazing and they have put together our patient advisory committee Yes. Um, and I think, John, you're a part of the patient advisory committee. I so am, you know yes. a bit about that. Yep. Um, but I also want to just put a pitch out to that because it is vital that organizations that work in rare disease have a patient advisory body of some sort. Um, it, it's incredibly important to my work through the education piece and um, patient engagement is incredibly important for Tamara and Hannah and their research pieces and Maggie and communication pieces and even Angela and development. It's, it, it touches all of us. Um, and that patient perspective is, I mean, it's like water when you're really just coming out of a desert, really. It's, it's really, really important. And I can't stress enough what a good job both of them have done with building out this committee and their vision for it is amazing and i'm really excited to see that move forward and there'll be more opportunities for people to get involved in similar initiatives in the future and i think i'm just super impressed with them uh, yeah i've been in uh, i've been to multiple meetings as uh, we've gotten that set up um, and, and I would agree with you, uh, and I can actually, I can put a link to the, uh, members. Apparently there was quite a lot of interest from, uh, the SARC community in being on that committee. And so I'm, I'm honored to have been selected because I think there was a pretty big body of, of, uh, people who wanted to, to be on there. Uh, and I was actually, before we spoke this morning, looking over the, the, not the resumes, but the bios of all the folks and I tell you when you sit at that table and you look around there are some uh, there's some great stories and some very uh, impressive uh, bios from some of these folks who who will be helping to advise the foundation uh, and I'm just honored to be a part of that but um, and I'm anxious to see how that works going forward and then how you use the, the information that you get from uh, from us and, and put it to use with the foundation. Yeah, I'm ex I am, personally, I am extremely excited. I, I mean, those of folks who've worked with me, either through the advocacy program or as my colleagues will know, I'm like punch holes in anything I'm doing because that will make my program better. Um, I want, I love critical feedback and I want to hear what people think and I want that engagement um, as part of our, development of patient education. Um, I'm not someone who has sarcoidosis, so I come at it from a very sort of academic perspective and kind of 
angle it that way. Um, and it, you know, having that patient perspective, having that sort of lived in ex, um, experience is crucial to how those things get developed and how we can ensure that we're actually delivering what patients need and want. Right. And, and that's gotta be tough because you're, you know, what we all want is a cure. <laughs> uh, and so you're, you're trying to help the researchers, you're trying to help the caregivers, you're trying to comfort patients and help all of us navigate the, the various uh, things that we have to do. Um, and so, you know, the, the foundation is, is working on many different fronts. Um, and, you know, communication is a part of it. And, and so I guess the, the goal from the patient advisory committee will be to help you find any holes in the services that you provide and just basically give you more work to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will say like when you have more work to do, then that means you have more opportunity to find funding to make sure that work is done. And maybe I could get uh, some help. <laughs> that would be great. Right. Um, well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, Mindy, uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I appreciate it. And I'm sure all the listeners appreciate it. And we'll be talking more uh, on the air and off the air, as it were, uh, as we get closer to the November summit. And that is on Saturday, November 14th. That is right. From 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And I will put a shout out for Central Time because I admit, I put Central Time on some places, like in the website and on the registration. The final agenda that went out to folks, and I apologize, did not actually say Central Time. And uh, we had a little bit of confusion there. So I promise, moving forward, I will include the time zone. <laughs> Very Every good. So, so 8 a.m. Uh, to 5 p.m. is, uh, is that a Central Time or is that an Eastern Time? That's Central Time. Central time. Okay. So I get an extra hour of sleep. I didn't know I was going to get. You do. And, and over here on the West coast, we get an, an ex, a less, less sleep. <laughs> right. Okay. Mindy McCann, thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you so much. So FSR, busy at work, uh, even though we're here in the COVID crisis, I hope you'll sign up for the November 14th summit. It does cost $40. And as Mindy said, if you can't afford that, they will take care of you. And they, they call that a scholarship. And they, they will make it so people who want to participate in the summit can do so. Uh, all the information uh, to do all that will be in the show notes, along with links to see some of the speakers and the discussions from the September 22nd summit as well. And you heard Mindy mention that the Patient Advisory Council, uh, I'm pleased to say that uh, I am a part of that. So uh, if you have anything that you would like me to be aware of going forward, please let me know because part of my job as a patient advisor is to let FSR know what fellow patients are thinking and they really want advice from the, uh, the patient community. So I'll be more than happy to make them aware of it. And the best way to contact me is with my email, which is also in the show notes. Speaking of which, I hope you, if you're listening, that you're finding this podcast helpful in some way. Uh, please do send me an email and let me know what you think of the podcast. If you have an idea, if you want to come on the podcast, certainly uh, always looking for patients who want to come on and tell their story or even a caregiver. Um, so if you are listening, uh, please don't hesitate to, to ping me, okay? And then uh, on social media, it's the Sark Fighter on Instagram 
and the Sark Fighter Facebook page is there as well. And just please uh, follow along. Thanks again to Mindy and FSR for their tireless efforts to make our lives more livable. Until next time, keep fighting. I feel like a zombie just feeding that stumble